Hello, David Savage, all the way over from New York. We've had you on previously on my podcast, and you're back now because you're in Melbourne, and we did a show under my new company, Soam Unlimited, at Willow Urban Retreat, and you took some fucking readings. Yo, yo. <laughs> it's all true. <laughs> Thank you for joining me again. We were ch- we've been catching up, and it's so good to see you again. It was, it's still a cool... It, we were saying before how it's such a cool way we met. It is Venetian mansion in Venice, not like Venetian Rome or Italy. Or Venice, California. Venice, California. Doing readings and one thing led to another. Now you're over here doing shows in Australia. I feel like at this point everyone's going, huh, what? How do these guys know each other? No, you don't think so? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so, <laughs> my friend Jeremy here came to an event I did in Los Angeles, California about six months ago where I did readings, intuitive readings in front of an audience, which is my own brand of performance art, and saw that show and threw out the idea that maybe I'd come to Melbourne. Um, and then I just so happened to have a cousin who's getting married in Melbourne right about now. And then Jeremy put together an event uh, with me just the other day that was beautiful. Mm. Love your, so you're a smart motherfucker. We were at lunch the other day and you were talking about how you see the future and I really liked it. Mm. I also really like how you got this like capability to, how nonchalant you are about some capabilities that we have as human beings like some people can do math really well some people can do math terrible some people can do creative stuff really well some do it terrible some people can read other people's emotions really well some do it terrible you're in that category of doing it terribly <laughs> no of doing it incredibly incredibly well to, to the point of awe and to the point of holy fuck because you read people with your eyes shut this is Brett walking in by the way my brother-in-law just walking in the background Make my brother-in-law Beers there. Welcome to the party. <laughs> Go on the balcony or hang out here, whatever you want. Um, and you do it to the... Uh, obviously, I like the fact that you do it as a performing art because it makes it entertainment, really. And, um, but it, at the same time, it's, it's helpful for someone that's getting read to have a mirror of their inner reality, right? I think so. I think... Uh I think the thing that I'm doing for the people that I'm reading is I'm allowing them to be seen. And that in itself can be really healing, even transformative. And do you think the fact that they're being seen in front of an audience and the way you're describing it and expressing the emotion is... like do you, When you perform, you, you exaggerate the emotion that you're feeling or do you just represent the emotion that you're feeling when you move your body? Hmm. Um, I want to answer both. So I, I'm allowing their feelings into my body and then expressing those feelings fully. So uh, I'm an empath. And by that, I mean, I'm able to feel what other people are feeling as can many others. And if anyone listening has ever had the experience, say, of sitting on an airplane and feeling suddenly nervous and then discovering that the person sitting next to you was the one feeling nervous and that somehow you had felt their nervousness in your own body. That's what I mean by being an empath. So I'm just allowing that feeling into my body and then giving my body license to express it physically and fully. Um, wow. It's awesome, man. 
Thanks. I love it. We could talk about it forever, but we want to talk about future stuff because that's okay. what... I yeah, I want to talk about future stuff too. So the reason I like your outlook on the future is because it was very positive and it's in line with what I deem our spiritual evolution or our, the evolution of our mental capabilities, spiritual capabilities. How would you describe it and what do you see in your, in your ball? Mm. <laughs> mm. You're hopeful. That's um, what I liked. I, well, I, I guess I was in a good mood. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> no, I, I go back and forth between hopeful and hopeless and frustrated and excited. So I guess that's just whatever I'm feeling then gets projected onto my vision of the future. I think that probably is true of most people, right? Like if you're feeling really hopeful in your life, then suddenly the future of humanity looks really positive. And if you're despairing in your life, the future of humanity looks really negative. Uh, there might be some people who harbor the illusion that they can objectively assess the probability of humanity surviving and then match their emotion to meet that assessment. <laughs> but I would argue that those people are delusional and that it's still a kind of projection that's going on whether or not they know it. That said, all that said, uh, I do have an emergent sense of, if not what the future is going to look like, what this transition to the future is going to look like, and what some of the principles are that we will be finding ourselves living by, such that we can all thrive together. Mm. So that, that's the trajectory of humanity, is this kind of unification and healing. Um, that is the trajectory of humanity. That's not to say I believe that's coming to pass, but the, I'm hoping it will, but the edge of positivity, the edge of growth, the edge of human evolution is pointing to um, a depth of universal interconnection and shared community responsibility across the whole world that we've never seen before or even imagined possible. Hmm. Uh, or to quote a writer that I really admire who talks brilliantly about the future named Charles Eisenstein, who himself is quoting uh, the great Buddhist Thich Nhat Hanh, we're entering an age of interbeing where the dominant paradigm shifts from one of the individual to the collective and we just step into an understanding that each one of us has our role to play in the collective dance and that we are each best served as individuals to the degree that we are each serving this larger community. Right, so it's, 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 that would have to roll on to nature as well then because if we've got this interdependency of one another, we, we would obviously be looking at the interdependency we have on our environment for giving us life as well, right? I'm sorry I didn't follow that. You're, you're mumbling a little bit. <laughs> Are you okay? I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> My brain just stopped working for a moment. No. Do, you need, do you need a beat? <laughs> do you want me to carry it? Should I ask you questions? No, no. What do you think about the likelihood of humanity to reach its next state of evolution um, before we run ourselves off the cliff of the ecological catastrophe we seem to be facing? 
Yeah, I mean, I see there's there's two. I'd guess there's one of two ways it's ever going to hit a real point of boiling and extremity for change to occur and a lot of damage to come from that, or we're going to steer the ship mm. early enough. Which I feel like there is a big shift at the moment of people being more aware of the impact and that they have and the responsibility that they have, at least in Western world, to look after one another and to look after themselves and to just live better and more out from loving places some people like with environmental stuff say it's too late you know we even if we set a new course now it's still not fast enough um so i don't really know i don't have enough data on it but i feel like it's one of those two things and it's probably likely going to be this first that it's going to hit a point of something some kind of catastrophe because that's what happens in nature. That's what happens in me. I only make significant change in myself. Even recently, like I was, I was behaving from a lot of dysfunction late last year, or like up until late last year. And it was my panic attack or my anxiety attack that the purge of that emotion and release of that stress from my anatomy created a change that I can't go back from now because mm. it's because it, it shifted. But I, hand on heart, wouldn't have changed unless that had happened. I couldn't imagine it. I would have. So, is that just the way nature is intends or is designed to make change? It has to hit extremity. <clears throat> huh? No, I don't believe so. I believe nature doesn't have to hit extremity to make change. Nature can shift imperceptibly toward its own survival without needing catastrophe to awaken it but mm. um, we can do both it's yeah true. it can do both and I think that there's a, there's a level of awareness that more and more people are reaching where they're in tune with things on a deep enough level that they can act before catastrophe strikes having mm. deeply internalized its otherwise inevitability like well, it was just coming and so i act before it comes i don't need to be hit in the face with it it's also known as instinct or intuition i'm driving the car i don't know why but something tells me to put on my brakes i put on my brakes and then oh now i realize that something was about to cross the road that i didn't even see so i i I think we're we're nearly there. Uh, I I my own relationship, for instance, to the stupidity and pointlessness and brutality of our existing political structures has been changing. Where I used to feel really frustrated by it and despairing of it, and I seem to just be withdrawing from it and living into a new kind of way of being and watching more people be a part of that new way of being, knowing that it's deeper to the truth. I think that's reflective of the larger shift we're going to see away from fixed hierarchy and rule-based fraudulence mm. into embodied truthfulness and mm. human interconnection and synchronicity and love being our 
orientation. That's awesome. So it's the unplugging from it. Because I remember even on our last episode, you were you were more heated about political climate. Yeah. And you I'm can... chiller now. <laughs> but it's the disengagement from it. It's the choosing to not to, not mm. to dis. It's essentially disobeying the propaganda. Like when I look at news now, mm. I can barely last a second. And what, when I catch it on the TV when I'm at the doctor's, yeah. like it's kind of like fear. It's like six headlines: fear, 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 love and puppies. And it's like it's that sequence, and <laughs> it's and it's and it's just startling how they care to put this person got stabbed, this got person got murdered. We're worrying about this. Like there's so many good things happening in the world, or at least look for them and mm-hmm. celebrate them. But it's absurd to me that they're still operating like that. So our only choice, and like it is absurd to you as well, but our only choice is to disengage from it. I, I half agree. I find choice to be a poor, um, not, a, not, a, not a useful way of looking at it. So I, I don't like choice there. I, I don't think we can really we can choose to disengage through discipline. Like I hereby choose to stop watching and then make a practice of that. But I think what I'm talking about is deeper than choice. It's a kind of outgrowing, like a natural process. And once you've worked through your own feelings toward the broken political system, the natural next place is to transcend it. You don't have to make any choice. You just have to work with what's, emerging in you honestly that's a wicked way to describe it and then you engage with more enlightened thinking and enlightened communities yeah yes as as long as what you're saying takes all the burden of choice off the listener so i i never want to say you need things i never say and also find counterproductive you need to make better choices with your life you need to disengage you need to focus on the positive you need to all of these formulations uh are actually what i believe are not needed what is needed is an acceptance of where you are and an honest engagement with the underlying dynamics that have led you to be there and the more you do that the more you'll find that what you're telling yourself you need to do will emerge all the more easily and organically once you let yourself be where you are so you're kind of sinking into what you are yeah that's me that's what i'm that's what i'm advocating and then what i'm to dovetail on what we were talking about the other day that evolution of the individual that i'm seeing emerging as a as a way of being I feel like being more clear. I feel like I'm using fancy language. Yeah, get clear. I want to get clear. Um, okay. So, spiritual world. There are two kinds of... There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a division in the spiritual world that um, goes unspoken about but can be really noticed if you're in it. Spiritual world number one is all about being spiritual. This is about following what they call love and light. This is about raising your vibration. This is about being your best self every day. This is about shining. Uh, to me, this is also about total bullshit. Um, and what it really is about is shaming you for not being shining, not being full of love and light, not being this idealized self. 
that's spiritual world number one, and there's a lot of that. The best thing I can say about that spiritual world is that there is a truth that people who speak like that are channeling. There is a place where your vibration is raised and you can emanate love and light, but you don't get there by trying. Mm. Uh, so then there's spiritual world number two. So just a quick, it sounds a quickly a little bit like a lot of religion, focusing on just the good and, and, yes. and pushing away all yes. the bad or yes. demonizing yes. it. Yes, yeah, that sounds right. That's right. It's like to take the extreme version of Catholicism where you make a sin out of that which is not in the service of Christ or something, which just means that you're splitting the person in two and causing all kinds of shame and self-hatred uh, in in the best cases and in the worst cases you're driving that those darker parts into more and more destructive outlets and that's how you get one way you get pedophilia scandals um and, and it's it, and it's really it's it's totally ignoring that aspect of what we are and we've and not understanding and not seeking to to accept it yeah Exactly. It's, it's rejecting a part of ourselves. When you reject a part of yourself, um, that part of yourself doesn't go anywhere. It just curls up in a corner in a ball of shame and then plots subtly how to get its revenge. And then it will wait for when you are weak and it will strike much more strongly than if you had integrated it, forcing you to push that guy into a deeper and darker corner where the revenge will be all the more swift and sudden. Um, so this is a very unhealthy way of operating in the world, though albeit totally understandable and probably the most common and is also what most quote-unquote spirituality is about. And, and to give a specific example about that mechanic quickly, I would say that it's, like for me, in my direct experience of it, it's like when I feel angry about something, allowing myself to just be fucking cross for a moment and shouting. Amen. And being in the car, go, fuck, I got a parking ticket. What a fucking cunt. Ah! And just letting it out in a safe environment, ideally. Yeah. yeah. Because you don't want to really, ideally, you don't want to push that on right. other people. Um, and then it releases it. But what I have done in the past is like, oh, angry is bad, below its pain. I, I, I intellectualize it. And then I don't allow myself to feel that anger. And that's actually caused me probably a lot of physical pain in different ways. Some doctors have said because there's angers linked to certain parts yeah. of the body, etc. I, th- I think um, emotions that we uh, tell ourselves not to feel or push down um, is the greatest source of human suffering. Hundred percent. And and that leads me to. And by the way, if you are repressing your emotions, welcome to the human family. That's totally normal. Everyone does it, including me. So I'm not, I'm not, I, what I'm definitely not doing is judging people for repressing our emotions. All that means is that it wasn't safe, usually in our family environments and often just in our culture to allow those emotions to flow through us. So we push them down. That's totally normal. Um, and in the environment in which you grew up, it might have been the only way to survive. But now as we grow into adulthood, in the real sense of adulthood, in the sense of um, becoming our potential, we, uh, we now have an option in spiritual world number two to grow into ourselves fully. And what we're talking about emotions is one aspect of it. It's the aspect of it I know best. It's that 
instead of making war with different aspects of ourselves, we start embracing the aspects of ourselves that we're able to embrace. So for you, it's anger. It was important for you to go, I'm feeling effing angry in order for you to unlock that part of yourself and regain kind of wholeness. Um, mm. For me, I had a lot of grief that I didn't recognize in my own system forever. And it was controlling me, this unfelt, unprocessed grief. And in order for me to come into myself, I needed to give myself the space to feel it. And that unlocked so much of my potential. Um, and ah, see it as I talk about it, I can, you can feel the tone of my voice shift. It's like the, there is some, some grief still left or something because I can feel mm -hmm. some sadness starting to emerge in me, mm -hmm. which you can hear I'm just allowing, I'm being with the sadness. I'm not trying to overcome it and project some other personality who doesn't feel it right now. I'm just in the sadness. And so from here, from this place of allowing different parts of ourself, we start to discover that we're not just our pain, we're also our joy and our bliss, another part of ourself that we might've been hiding. We can call that, if there's the dark shadow, the stuff that we're pushing down, there's what some people call the golden shadow, the beautiful light stuff that we also push away. And we can find the light shadow by going into those areas of our lives that bring us the most amount of joy or that we find ourselves most drawn to or magic just seems to unfold on our own all on its own where we're in our superpower. So this is the, this is real world. This is spirituality in the healthy sense. This is going into what is blocking you from being in your flow and then exploring what is most calling you. And the more you do those two things, the more you'll find that, who you are on the deepest level just starts to emerge all on its own. And that's where things get really exciting. You start to realize, or I have started to realize, no, I think you've started to realize, Jeremy, and many of us have started to realize that what's emerging through us is not up to us. What's emerging through us is not up to us. It's just what's ours to do. What is our gift? No choices need to be made. We can run from it or we can allow it. And the more we are in tune with ourselves, the more allowing it is what happens. So for instance, I have noticed in myself a remarkable capacity to express things. Mm. And I'm not, there's no decision. I didn't decide to be articulate. I'm not trying to be articulate. It's just mine to do. I was given this capacity to express things well, and now that's just flowing through me. And you have, among many other gifts, an exuberance and an understanding of how to capture people's attention. And with that spoonful of sugar that is your joyfulness and playfulness and sense of humor to put in that spiritual medicine. That's just my sense of your gift, and, and you have others too. And I don't think these are choices. And I don't think that if I decided I was going to be the court jester, punk rock, spiritual podcaster, I could pull it off, even if I spent years trying. And I don't think if you spent years trying to be the empathic, articulate, <laughs> no this just, it's not. So it's like, we, liked, we were talking about choice 
in the old paradigm. Mm. I choose to be this. But in the new paradigm, we can stop thinking about that. I'm not choosing to be articulate. I'm not choosing to be sensitive to your emotions. Maybe I'm choosing to explore that. And then eventually, when I get proficient at it, it's just my gift and I'm just here doing it. And then it gets really interesting. Should I pause there while you poke away or just keep keep flowing? I love it. I love what you're saying. Like, uh, because that's my conviction in the moment too. Awesome. So then, then now we start to leave the individual here because this, if it's not up to me, what gift I have and at a certain level of um, awareness or integration, that gift just starts flowing effortlessly through me. Then, huh? I start to discover that there are other people in their gifts that correspond with mine. They're not the same, but they're no worse or no better. We're just different players on the soccer field of life. And if my job is to be the articulate explainer of these realms, Mm. or that's one of my jobs, Mm. slash carnival barker for spirituality in my own way, and your What's job a carnival barker carnival barker actually you're more like the carnival barker the carnival barker is the guy at the carnival who's like come on in gotcha like yeah like the you're, you're actually more the carnival barker i may be the uh i don't know like i'm run out of words on what i am well no you, you you're like a representation of what em- the emp- an empath is yes that's what so i am you're the flag sh- store ship mm. store for humanity for it that's good i like that so there you have it so so then that's that's my job right now it flows and then you have your job and then is there any friction in us doing our jobs together no No. is there any like competition no there's Mm. just like Mm. you're doing your thing and i'm doing my thing Mm. and i don't want to be doing your thing you don't want to be doing my thing it's just (laughs) like there's not that it just flows and then you start to discover that it's not just two people flowing together it's three it's four it's 50 and we know we're flowing together because it's effortless it's just what we want Mm. to do because it's what wants to be done through us and then when you get to that place, and I've seen it starting to happen in little pockets, where you have enough people working from their gift, what you start to have is emergent projects that become organized through synchronicity, divine flow, not in some abstract way, just in the way that I'm sitting here in Melbourne uh, at an ad agency run by a friend of yours, that's all I'm talking about, like that thing in LA and Melbourne and like, why am I here? But somehow it feels true. It's the thing to do. It's just the thing that's flowing through us. Bigger projects are going to start to emerge that way where we're just thinking of like our job is to listen to who we are and become that. And then you do this, I do this, you do this, you do that. It can all happen so much faster. And then the universe starts going, oh, here's this for you. Here's that for you. Here's this for you. Here's that for you. And you can look at it magically or you could look at it through the lens of the secret or something, or you could also just look at it as the way nature operates. When you're in the flow of things, you are participating in the dance of life and all of life wants to support you. When you are fighting the flow of life, then it takes a tremendous amount of force to get stuff to happen. And you could call that capitalism if you want. Like if you want to achieve something really big in the existing structure, you need lots and lots of money. But if it's just enough people working from their magic, from their superpower, then really big things will be achieved effortlessly and quickly and soon. 
it sounds fucking awesome and it makes total sense because it's it it seems intelligent it seems like nature's intelligent way to orchestrate it or organize itself mm-hmm. it's like in, when we look at nature and look at bees organizing themselves or ants working as a team to organize themselves they're all every individual is so content in their pocket mm-hmm. you know and and the more i step into what my my i want to i've always had this conviction particularly recently of like i got to drop myself into my pocket move put myself in my own pocket and that all that means is like be my truest self be my realest self be 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 closest to the source of what i am um and just allow that to bubble through me allow it to express through me and that's where i feel liberated that's where i feel free that's where i feel like i don't really care what anyone thinks you just feel like you're and that's what i feel like with soma unlimited this what put on our event and is doing the media stuff it, it feels like it's nature's desire not mine and that's what and i finally got out the way of that because i trying to bring it into life got entangled a lot of my ego and my sense of identity of it being me and it kind of just it, it made it retarded it it didn't allow it to grow or flourish or become come into being properly it was only when i stepped stepped out of it its way and became a mechanic on on the rocket ship that it wanted to be mm, instead of I thinking i was the rocket ship mm-hmm. um and then just running around making sure the panels are whacked on and and then all this abundance comes towards it like people want to work with it because you're kind of you're allowing it really feels beautifully like you're allowing it to bend yeah allowing nature to do what it wants to do through you you're That's a it. conduit for it and then what if there's a thousand people like that or a hundred thousand people like that or a million people like that? It will and organize itself so clever. So clever. <laughs> and, and like, who isn't going to want to join the party? Eventually, that's the whole party. You will either be in your flow or you will be the gift to somebody. Because if you are not in your flow, as many humans aren't most, then what you have to offer First of all, you have much to offer if you're all constricted and and confused because aspects of your flow come through anyway. But what you also have to offer is the gift of healing yourself and presenting yourself to people who are in their flow and can help you. So imagine a world, this is my dream world. Imagine a world where I've had, there's a friend of mine um, named Adam, Adam Grold, um, and he and I uh, had this idea together of the alignment bureau and the alignment bureau uh, simply finances people who are in their truth or in their flow or in alignment. So you walk into the alignment bureau Hmm. and then, Oh, it doesn't matter what you want to do. If you're in your truth, that is the thing to do for you. (laughs) Thus we at the alignment bureau with infinite money, give you whatever you need so that you have to do it. You don't have to fight your flow to survive in this world. Yeah. That wants to happen. And then let's say you're not in alignment. You show up to the alignment bureau and you're like, I really want to do X, but you're all angry and confused and bent out of shape and you're not really going to achieve X from the place you're coming from. The alignment bureau gets to say in this uh, kind of fantasy sci-fi world I'm creating here, the alignment bureau gets to say, you're out of alignment. You get to go to the people who will help you find alignment who are in their alignment to help you. And so you become part of the dance and the flow. Um, and that's, that becomes the whole game. It's like, if you're aligned, you go. And then when you need to break to take a break, you break. And then if you're not in alignment, you find the people who will align you and then you align. And then the money to finance this whole operation just flows into what is a, 
in alignment until the whole damn thing just works. Mm. Right? It seems like it's actually that freaking simple. It's amazing. And then we just start channeling what wants to come through us from these, now I get a little woo-woo, but from these other dimensions that are like knocking on the door going, when do enough of you humans get together to start making the magic of which you're collectively capable? Mate. Very soon. Mate, I love it. Very soon. Very I soon. I fucking hope so. Yeah, you can feel them circling here, even in these lamps. Like, they love it when you talk like this. You're like, yeah, that's, you can feel like the air shift. <laughs> well, you can. <laughs> I can't. You might be able to. <laughs> Do you, when you see these, these energies, are you visually seeing them or are you sensing them like invisibly? I've seen them before. Um, I, I'm, I'm finding a, a bit of self-consciousness leaving the domain of the perfectly rational, albeit <laughs> a little bit spiritually inspired and entering the domain of the supernatural, even though in my understanding of the cosmos, there's no real line, but I'm so sensitive to the way people hear things that I... I know that there is one for many people. So I'm just going to jump over that divider and say that there are portals that are wanting to be opened and there are intelligent beings uh, alive and not alive in the way that we think that are waiting to give us information about how to assemble new and beautiful spiritual technologies. Um, Wow, that's dope. And really, another way you could translate is that it's like when you talk about the spiritual realms of other dimensions, it's kind of like there's so much invisibleness or things that our senses can't perceive. So we, we know that scientifically. So we're just kind of just say, look there. All that stuff is probably there. They could be infrared beings or I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I can feel them now. Um, I've, seen, I've seen this row of beings not just a row like billions a line uh, like a like a a festival of billions of beings but kind of like the way you're waiting to get into burning man or something they're all just waiting to come here they're mm. waiting for enough of us to just start listening and we put enough of us together and we're like all right what wants to happen through us some of what wants to happen will be ancient wisdom running through our system like billions of years of evolution that wants to come through from this earth. And some of what will want to come through will be wisdom that is beyond our universe or not maybe our universe, but I meant our world that also wants to come through us so that we can ascend. Ascend to what? Um, that's a good question. Ascend Expand. to, to well, on the, in the near term, to a place where we're welcoming everyone here on planet earth for who they really are. That's at least one step. So when you're, when you come out of your mother's womb, unless you were raised by uniquely loving, capable, caring, and wonderful parents, your first lesson on earth, if you're a man, first of all, for many of us is that something with your penis is off and that must be cut off. That's your first lesson as, as a man oftentimes. Um, but that's a subset of the larger lesson you keep learning, which is that something's deeply wrong with you. And you're taught this from when somebody first screams at you for being too loud to when you show up in kindergarten and they say you have to stop playing now to when you dedicate your entire childhood to figuring out what the people in authority want and giving it to them. And then eventually people graduate from college completely clueless, lost, frustrated, wondering why they can't achieve their dreams off the bat when they have no idea who they even are. 
because society's done a, such a great job of teaching them who they're not. So the first step would just be to stop this mass abuse of children and start embracing people, babies, children for who they are. Can we at least get there on this human journey? And then once we get there, once we're like, oh, David from age one, wow, look, he's got this capacity to feel what other people are feeling. That's amazing. Let's honor that instead of what's wrong mm. with this highly sensitive boy. Come on, like get it together, toughen up. So once mm. we start honoring people for who they are, then we can start co-creating in that magical way immediately, collectively. And then what happens from there? Like phase two, if phase one is just acknowledging people for who they really are, phase two is dancing together. And like, I can just feel this, like, imagine an awareness where I'm here on this podcast and something flows through my system that deeply moves somebody who's listening in China. And then something flows through their system that creates music and then their system. and except that instead of it happening unconsciously, we're so wired up with each other that we can feel the dance happening together. Wow. Um, and then what happens from there, I don't know. I mean, But you, at the very least, I'll just finish this one last yeah. thought. At the very least, what we're talking about is the... Um, it's harmonized. total embrace of human capacity and love as our founding civilizational principle I mean and with that the full acknowledgement that we are at one with the animals and the plants and we respect and love their potential that there's no separateness and that the illusion of separateness is not just something we talk about but don't believe in but it's actually just a complete, we don't even see it anymore. We're like, oh, I am that tree, I am that plant. What, what, what are we here to do together? Mm. Oh, feels nice, doesn't it? It sounds amazing. Yeah. It's amazing, it's euphoric. It's like, it, it's, when you speak of ascension, for me it's, it, it's an expanding of consciousness capability, expanding of your capability as a, as a homo sapien and, and to, to more sophisticated behaviors like it's a it's a very sophisticated mm. um operating system mm -hmm. that you're talking about and and it makes total sense in nature when you see resonance mm. resonance is this natural thing that wants to occur so therefore like that's what you're saying wants to occur in with humanity is mm -hmm. resonance i like that resonance yeah yeah feels good and and what's fascinating about where we're at currently is that the interconnectedness of, you know, like through the internet and communication technology, how our, you know, our higher, more expanded um, awareness state can flow through that. Like you said, for the China example, like you can, you, it happens with this podcast. People around the world listen to it, something that you're saying at a different point in time <laughs> and, and get affected by it and it transforms their reality in one little way or another because it unlocks their thinking in one little way or another. And so that's part of, or even you and I, that's a part of like mm -hmm. the resonance. Like we've can't, like nature's created that, this event that we did in Melbourne. And that was literally by you and I falling into our pockets and serving nature or serving. Totally. And, and that dance happened between two individuals. And like you said, that 
will multiply to 10 individuals in different ways or like our next event might be four other people or who knows you know but it's it's a beautiful i love your outlook on it because it gives me it fills me with so much joy and hope as because that's my hope is that we're we're my sense is that we could be living so much better than we are as a people like we could be we could be loving each other so much better than we are we could have be having Mm. such a better reality than we have and and when you describe it so clearly and articulately and and concisely it just fills me with like yes (laughs) right let's do this thing yes yeah but not only yes i can see how it will happen because the way you, in which you describe it, you're describing things that are already happening. Yeah, they're already happening. There is, um, there's another thing that, to make it happen, though, that I want to share. I did this event in Los Angeles with a friend of mine named Sidney Campos, who's a fellow empath, wrote a book called The Empath Experience. And hmm. As two professional or semi-professional empaths, we gathered a bunch of other empaths on a roof for an event called Empaths Unite. And something came over me and I decided I wanted to try to open a portal. So, you know, those beings that I see waiting, my suspicion is that people who are more sensitive than others are more likely to feel them or see them or hear them. And so I asked the people on the roof to just become present, Sydney and I did, to just become present to what was happening. And somebody would feel buzzing in their ear and somebody else would feel like this pressure and then somebody else would hear a noise and then somebody else would look over there and slowly but surely our collective attention started to move skyward. And several of us, I would say at least five or six of us started to feel the presence of these beings or of a being that had something to tell us. And as that was happening, two other things started happening. One, a woman who was part of our group started to cry. Cry not about this interdimensional portal that was being opened and the beauty thereof, but about a relationship she was having that was hurting her. And then something else started happening, which was a, which was a man started to have a bit of a panic attack. And he was freaking out because he didn't understand what was going on and it was causing him a lot of anxiety. And at first I was frustrated by this. Like, wow, we're doing something amazing and I've got like, you know, a woman crying about her boyfriend and I've got this guy freaking out. And then I realized, oh, this is what is needed to hold space for in order for us to ascend. So if you look at it even metaphorically, and of course pain beyond goes beyond this, but women need to be held in their pain in order for us to collectively open the portal. Mm-hmm. And men need to be held in their anxiety when they feel like they're losing control. And until we hold men in their anxiety at their lack of loss of control in this new paradigm that we're talking about, and until we hold women in their pain for what they've endured at the hands of men controlling them, um, we're not going to be able to open that portal. Wow. Wow. What a sign. Right? It's right there. And so what, what I, my first instinct is to problematize it. And then my second wiser instinct is to hold it and be like, okay, let's assemble who, who, how can, and of course, these are not the only things that need to happen. These are not the only pains that exist. There are men who are deeply sad and women who are terribly controlling, obviously. Um, uh, but, but the, the, 
what's needed is not just to aspire to this higher level of consciousness. What's needed is to hold and embrace people at their current level of suffering. Just like we want to do for, just like I'm able to do with myself, just like I'm able to sit with my grief. Can I sit with this woman's pain? And mm -hmm. just, and, and I think with, with, with men, what, what we're talking about here in this ascension minimum uh, at the minimum, we men need to surrender control. Uh, um, we, we need to take our hands off this, off the steering wheel, um, almost completely. So we're talking about allowing and allowing is a feminine quality and the masculine quality of controlling or figuring stuff out or going toward a goal is subservient to the feminine quality of allowing what wants to move through us. Mm. So we're, we're, we're talking about moving from a, from a masculine oriented culture to a feminine oriented culture, which is going to cause a whole ton of anxiety for, for men, especially men in positions of power. Mm. And when they start having their panic attacks or as they start having their panic attacks, we need to make it safe for them to flip out. Mm. And it, I mean, you can describe this, what you're describing here, sorry, is exactly what I feel like I've been going through on my personal journey is like holding space for myself, allowing myself to feel what I need to feel. And same as the way you describe you, your emotional process as well. And then with, with this business is, is, is surrendering control as well. Like re realizing that I'm serving it rather than yeah. it's mine and I, I'm, I'm controlling it and all this kind of very masculine thing that obviously comes to the forefront when, cause that's my cultural re resonance. Yeah. You know, the cu current state of consciousness of a lot of businesses and organizations is that, so of course it's going to be empathetic, empathetically is yeah. going to be absorbing it. Yeah. It's the, it's the, it's, it's me. It's the paradigm shift of the moment. Maybe that's just because it's the one I'm most passionate about, or maybe it's because I'm, maybe I'm just really in tune with what's happening is this, mm. uh, this shift from what I want to make happen to what wants to happen through me. And as that shift happens, what you want to make happen will no longer be possible because <laughs> something yeah. greater than what you want to make happen is what will be happening and so that's going to cause a lot of anxiety and a lot of, uh, as we talk about this shift from that masculine oriented place, that feminine oriented place, there are a lot of people who want to make themselves feel better by saying it's about coming into balance, but we need to find the balance between the masculine and the feminine, but that's actually not true. As far as I see it, we're as the feminine energy leads as the emergent truth that wants to move through our bodies becomes our teacher uh, then and only then does the masculine get to show up in support and that's the balance oh that's nice so can we draw that back to a specific example so it helps cement it and explain it better um you have a, a woman is having a baby and the unhealthy man says it's 6 p.m. The baby is due at 5.58. You're two minutes late. Push harder, faster now. What the hell is wrong with you? That sounds like an absurdity, right? But actually, that's what every, almost every business runs by, right? It's like, what's the goal? Let's do whatever we need to do in order to meet that goal. So that's, that's the unhealthy masculine showing up to a scene in which we intuitively understand the feminine energy of what wants to emerge through this woman literally mm. is what is in the lead. What is in the service of this woman and the baby that wants to emerge from her is the only relevant question on earth while a woman is having a baby. 
So what does the healthy man do? He carefully, assuming he knows what he's doing, he carefully um, observes what is true of this woman's body and this baby at this moment. He provides calm and patient support for her psychology. He provides an outlet for whatever she needs. And then he guides the process based on his intuitive understanding of it. And then if something is coming into the space that is not in service to that process, he's very strict about it. So when a crazy person walks into the room who doesn't belong, he (laughs) he says, with all of his force, you get out of this room because he's in service. So that would be the healthy, healthy masculine. Beautiful. It's so cool. It's so cool. It's funny something like that challenges the ego or, you know, our current ego, egotic state so much because it's like, no, it's about me and this hyper individualism yeah. kind of culture. But, yeah. the, but the, when you describe that situation, that just sings to my heart and I imagine everyone else's is like, that's powerful, natural, beautiful and, and divine like or. Yeah. And when we have those cool. moments of deep transition, like birth, death. Um, imagine the first time you have sex or um, getting married or, 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 you know, any kind of intense journey that you're going to go on, life change. We know we want people there who are both in tune with what's happening and able to guide us clearly. We know we need that. We know we need that. And then, mm. But then when we go into the day-to-day world, we pretend that like, we can dictate all the terms. And then we want a bunch of robots who can help us execute on what we think we want. And then suddenly that deeper need for like, guidance and allowance gets pushed to the side. So in, in, it, it, for instance, like, if you're freaking out about something, you often will find yourself coming to me. If you want to take a massive dose of a psychedelic i'm the kind of person you would very much trust having at your side but then same person shows up to a job and a resume where they pay really well and i become this like who are you what's going on i don't get you so it's it's this weird tension where like the deepest things we value in the real in in our heart space become the things we dismiss as trivial in the professional political economic spaces it's like we need a wise council of varied gurus for want of a better word advising people advising governments yeah or another way of doing it is is we just need women to do whatever they need to do to get clear on what they actually feel and then express that and then we'll pretty much be there because but men will probably be jumping in the way of that though, won't they well yeah i mean what they will be jumping in the way but like the um there was this thing that I read somewhere that if, if uh, <clears throat> my friend Joy was telling me about that if women were able to connect with their true desires and so much in society is trying to block women from connecting with their desires or shame them for their desires, if women were able to own what they truly want, then everything would start to heal immediately. Wow. Because like, what, really, what do women really, really want? They don't, very few of them really deeply want power. Very few of them really deeply want control. What women really want, like really, community, connection, flow, harmony, like healthy families, you know, so if they could own that, intimacy, if they could really own that, then we'd all be fine. But that's why we we go to such great lengths to try to disconnect them from what they want. 
Fuck me. It's because it, I've been having this conviction for a couple of years now that it, it's the it's women that it's it, the age of the women. Like women, it will be the thing that heals the world. Like we need to listen to women. Yeah. And hearing you say that then made it made it all sound like it makes yeah. so much sense. Yeah, I would just asterisk that by saying we need to listen to embodied women. Yes. Because disembodied women um, are more off center than disembodied men. Um, because, that's not necessarily the, true, but, but like, but like women who are talking from, um, from fear of their own flow from that desire to control, um, can be more chaotic, I guess, because the feminine is the chaos. No, they're not more chaotic. They're actually more disconnected. Uh, Hillary Clinton would be a good example of a woman that I find to be deeply disconnected from herself and um, brings everybody into this confusing place where she's making a, a, a half-hearted show of her femininity to buy credibility, but is in fact completely controlled in her expression and actually separates us from our own deepest self. So it's, um, yeah. So we want, we want embodied women, women who are in touch with what they're feeling truly mm -hmm. like, do you look at Hillary Clinton and go, that's a woman who knows what she's feeling? No. And you know the women in your life that are like that. Yeah. Like you can list them and you see them and you adore them. Yeah. Like I said one to, the, to one the other day, two days ago, I was like, I literally said to her, like, I adore you. I, I love you to bits. You felt like a sister. I want to do whatever I can to support you because I just, what you're doing, I just honor and, and want and love so much. And that's, it's funny that you describe that situation between the masculine and feminine because that's exactly what I felt like I played out with her, um, which felt like a, a real reverence, mm. a reverence for some, something that I could never be. And like the same, that I have a reverence for you and something that I could never be. And it's, it's kind of this beautiful, it's almost like God looking at itself or at, at different aspects of itself, mm -hmm. you know, that we we see in one another. And that's what's almost so funny about the Christian doctrine is that how it's, it's sad how much they, they got this yearning for this love and it's, they're missing it around them, you know, like well, they hate them. I mean, the Christian, the, the, the dogma, not the doctrine, like the gospel can be quite beautiful, but the dogma is like, let's universally love everyone through Christ and hate ourselves. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's. Uh, this is a sin. That's bad. You're, you, and by you, hate, we mean non-accept, not accept yourself. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's 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 funny. It's one close to home for me because I grew up like extreme fundamentalist Christian. So the, the, when I look back at that now with this perspective, it's just like it's what? It's what are you, you like? And intuitively, my conviction was. I want I want to love anyone and everyone. I, I want to I want to explore more what of I what of what I am. I want to, I want to see. And I, if it turns out I found out that God or love is way more vast than I ever thought it was because I was like narrowed down to this narrow narrow spectrum of what it was that was so convincing because it's just the narratives just echo chambered to you. Mm. Like again, every Wednesday, every Sunday, every day, every day, this is, this is your reality. And then when you leave it, 
you look back and go, guys, it's so much bigger. The thing that you're talking about, specifically the word God, love, all these things, it's actually all the way out here too. And it's all of it. Mm. And, and That's beautiful. It, it's, it's, hard to, it's, it's hard going back. It's like the hero's journey. You go back and you go, what I felt like I did, went into the jungle, into the cave, I feared to enter, and how the treasure I seek, come out, tell my tribe. And they were like, no, no, you're mad. So you go back to your tribe, like in Joseph's Campbell thing, and you go, guys, I mm. found some gold. I went out. It fucking cost me everything. I nearly wanted to die. Mm-hmm. I came back. Here's the treasure. And they're like, Poof, we don't understand it. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. You know, again and again and again. And your family who you feel like oh. you, 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 you want them to love you and accept you, all of you, you give them this stuff and it's like, no, mate, no. And then that's an evolution itself. And then some people will say of my own consciousness to go, okay, that's okay then. You know, that's, I accept, accept, heal my own pain furthermore and then find your own tribal, like this kind of, yeah. like you feel like family. Yeah, that woman I was speaking about feels like fa- like my fucking spirit family. Yep. Yeah, and that's my new tribe. So they're the people we end up sharing mm-hmm our gold with right amen and then we stitch it together because you got a piece of it i got a piece of it this girl you're talking about has got a piece of it and before we know it it's just one thing Mm. that's that's the other thing that's happening that we were talking about the other day it's this uh this there's these hubs of i don't consciousness we could call it spirituality um emergent interest in higher levels of awareness that I'm <laughs> that I'm feeling here in Melbourne and I feel in New York and San Francisco and LA and I'm sure in almost every other major city in the world and all these towns and each each of these towns or cities have their little community of people who are genuinely seeking growth and connection and transformation genuinely seeking it and what we're finding is that those communities are starting to overlap like we saw each other in LA and then we ran into each other on a rooftop in New York New city York. without planning at all. Four weeks later or something. Right. It was crazy. It was wild. So there you are on a rooftop in New York city. So that's just like this cross pollination of these different consciousness communities. And what we don't realize, or maybe some of us realize what I was starting to realize is that they're starting to cohere and what they want to become, I believe, is a community, an, uh, an interconnected web of conscious communities. And the reason we want to become that, first of all, it's because consciousness is unified. So conscious communities are going to organically want to unify. But what I'm excited to eventually build is an onboarding platform for the rest of the world to come join this increasingly unified community. Right now, we're just popping our head out, these different communities saying, hey, I'm, I'm here in Melbourne, and I'm here in LA, and I'm here in New York, and, and oh, we're finding each other. How many friends do you have on Facebook? And that's really cool. And then in a few years, it's just one, starts to be one thing. And then coincident with that, or simultaneously to that, I'm imagining the emergence of a brand or a platform or the name of a movement so that we can invite the rest of the world to join us in this transformation. Mm. So like, here we are 
all of these communities knitted together, representing this unified consciousness. And we know it's a unified consciousness because it's happening through us. We didn't decide to make this, this thing self-made. And we know that this language is esoteric and we know that this is weird for a lot of people. And we know that this is scary. And that's why we've created all of these places and spaces, digital and real, where you can come and join this movement. And the reason you're gonna come and join this movement is because for the first time you're gonna feel at home because we care about who you really are. That's all we're interested in is who are you really and how do we help you become that? Um, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm feeling is the transition narrative um, that I, I can feel emerging and that I want, I want or it's my place both, I want and it's my place to, to help build. And we're building it here in a small way. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's pretty much the essence of what I want Soma Unlimited to be. Is that is that like I've had ideas of a social network that is basically only for folks like you're talking. So it it, it creates that resonance in a in a in an area. And we could start it tomorrow with a Facebook group and get people in it. But I mean. You got to unplug from these motherfuckers. These you got to create your own your own bubble. Yeah. You Motherfuckers being Facebook. Yeah, you need to create. Yeah, or we just sort of out, outgrow it. Um, mm. And the, the cool thing about this energy is that it'll just start going. Like it'll 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 guide us. Um, I'm, for instance, really uh, interested in creating a platform that people can come, be welcomed into this new kind of these new kinds of communities, whether it's physical spaces or digital spaces. So for make this concrete, we've got all these stores still crap we don't need at infinitum that are getting wiped out by Amazon so that they can ship that crap to you cheaper. And instead of that model for business, what if we took some of these empty stores, many, what if we took thousands of them and we made them outposts for healing and transformation so that instead of buying clothes on the delusional belief that somehow you'll feel much more beautiful in a week when you've worn it, uh, you walk into a place and we actually make you feel seen and connected to. And instead of charging you tons of money, we charge you nothing. It's just a gift. Here we are. That's a, that's a world I want to see. Sounds like Burning Man. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot like Burning Man. <laughs> it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah, we just need, just need you know, a couple billion dollars to show up and all of this can happen. And then will be those people will then operate from their function and nature will work for them and then they'll create cool systems to help people in other countries that are that need help. Yeah. It's just it's just like my what are what, what are you here to do? What's happening through you? Yes. Well let's empower you to do that. We have all the money to help you do that because that's the job of this money is to empower you to be who you are. Oh, Okay, you are not in your center. That's wonderful. Here's all this healing available to you. Mm. It's just literally making this this healing the world concrete. It's happening already. I'm just playing with my mm. um, my entrepreneurial excitement around the idea. I love it. I love it. You give me so much hope. <laughs> it just excites me. It literally hearing you talk makes me so excited about tomorrow and the next day and the next year mm, ahead. That's and, wonderful. And where we're going as a people it's it's filled with it and i think it's because it's underlying underlying or in foundation of it is what that thing you said at the start which is you're transcending the current state collective state of consciousness 
the, the dissonance. And it's, it's more than a choosing not to engage. It's actually transcending it and, and having connectedness to your own soul or your own main vein into the, into the universal mm-hmm. supreme intelligence of existence. And when you've got that internal plug-in, when you're plugged in, fuck, we are, it's, it's so thrilling to think what would be possible. Like if we all operate from a baseline foundation of that level of in, love and intelligence overnight and the cool thing is when we start operating when enough of us start operating that way together um we can hold each other when we're off center no one's going to be or maybe some people will but i have my blind spots Mm. i've got plenty of blind spots i have places where i believe i'm whole and centered where i'm not and if i'm enough among enough people where there's goodwill among us to be in our truth then somebody will say Hey, Brother David, when you talked about that, you made me feel this way. And that to me is a sign that you're not in your truth and you think you are. And if I know this person is in their truth, then I have an opportunity to step back and grow. Those are the kinds of communities that will... I love that. That They're, the fr- they're my best friends in my life, the ones that give me the fucking truth. I love it. Oh. I'm thirsty for it. Because you know that it's actually your, for your best interest. It's like when you do it, if you, I imagine if I was a parent and, and if, I, if I wanted to love my child, it would be through actions like that of absolute embrace, acceptance and, and challenging, challenging them like that. I love that sense of community yeah. that we could have. Hey? And it's not blame. It's just your intention is this, your state is that. We're just pointing that out to you with love and we want nothing more than to bring you back to your center here we are. That's it. Mm. And then the ego will, mine will. So if mine will, other people's will, because I've worked on myself more than most, the ego will stand up and say, but I'm not, but I'm not. But if enough of us are holding each other in love, that greater force will say, you know what? Let me just surrender to this. And then before we know it, we'll be back on our feet. So can I give you a specific example of a, of a community environment that's very similar to what you said then, but create a lot of you know, some, some dysfunction ca- came of it. So the, the, the church that I grew up in was that. It was only a few hundred people living like that where, you know, you, f- you feel like you hold yourself, each other accountable to your heart to, ho- to stay true to laying your life down for God. So you've got this collective agreeance of, of what that is. That and what sounds that like a like. police state so far. Oh, it's, a, it's a cult. It's a cult state, yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and, and so... I mean, it's not, it's not operating off the intelligence of what I would deem God to be, but it's off one man's idea of what God is. Yeah. And then, and then, but, but anyway, I would be interested to hear your reflection on this because it felt like when I was in it, there was that really nourishing sense of community and we got each other's backs and, mm-hmm. and I, want to be, I want to be vulnerable and I want to be shown when I'm off track and I want to show my, my fellow brothers and sisters when they're off track. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, with that came a lot of challenging. So if someone's not, not on track or laying their life down for God in quotations, um, by, you know, cause I say in quotations, by, cause it's by a standard of a particular man's yeah. idea of what that is. Um, then they get challenged or cut across and, you know, like people, would, if you, you're sitting there and your son was next to you, four-year-old son, one man would just be challenging in front of 40 people in a group and you're getting essentially shamed and belittled. 
That sounds and, like no fun. And your and your children are there, watching this and absorbing this Yikes. kind of behavior. I mean, that's for starts. It's a terrible impression for them to receive for, mm-hmm. for the person that they look up to. But secondly, it's terrible for the father to receive as well. And th- this, you know, this has created such trauma in individuals that I've created a support group for this this group of people that have left. And there's been about oh my god, 110 people in that group that that because there's been a podcast about the same church on my on this person's podcast. But and then that kind of stemmed all this support. Um, a support group but anyway so it creates a lot of trauma and dissonance in an individual and so to stay on track that's you know that that sense of community and and holding each other accountable to what you deem is the best in the individual right can be can be um horrifying yeah horrifying or um corrupted yeah I I, th- I think the major difference between the world you described and the world I'm describing is on track in my world is in your own truth. Are you in your own truth? Are you in resonance with yourself? Are you in alignment? And uh, not are you in alignment with an abstract other thing that we are holding you accountable to that we see better than you. So the risk of course, is that you, in my world, you'd have people who tell you whether or not you're in alignment who are not in alignment themselves and thus will throw you off your center in a, in a damaging way. The hope is that, or no, the belief is that if there are enough people who are in their center, then they will be able to point out when you are not in yours um, where you feel held in that and can check it. Um, And like the only countervailing force would be uh, the ego. Be like, oh, I am in my center, but I don't know. I'm I'm mumbling a little bit. No, I get it. I get it. And so I feel like you'd need values set. Like for one value would be no man for your own yourself, essentially. Like... um, in, no, in the sense that you know, like you're you're accountable to the truth of in. Yeah, you're you're accountable to the. You're not even accountable. It's like you don't even have you don't even need in this in this little utopia. This thing is emergent, happening all on its own, and it's just you want to be in alignment. Yeah. So other people want you to be in alignment. There are enough of us. I'm not saying we create a cult and institute rules that make this the case so that we can be at a certain higher level. Gotcha. I'm saying it emerges like like um thinking of an example a volcano um, yeah no I was, I was um uh like there was a um, i don't know I'm trying to think of examples of when i'm off center which happens often enough but you know i mean never everyone knows the difference in their bones between somebody saying hey mate um, you don't sound right. This isn't what you're saying. You don't sound like you're yourself right now. Why don't you take a beat and come back to this later versus like, I know what's best for you. You're, you know, you suck. You're off. You're not in alignment. I like it. You know, that's yeah. the difference yeah. we're talking yeah. about. And no yeah. policing is necessary because we're just all working toward the same thing organically. Yeah. 
No force, no force. It's a forceless world. It's anarchical. It's, it's a kind of anarchy. Yeah. But it's the anarchy of nature. It's the same anarchy that has trees grow and, and bees pollinate flowers. It's just the emergent truth of nature working through us. It's amazing. It's, the utopia is a vision of just powerful, enlightened individuals mm-hmm. that you see in kind of like, uh-huh. you know, Black Panther. Or, you know, this, when, when, the, when the elders look like they've got the brightest eyes and they're just all-knowing. That's the kind of gang we're talking. That's the gang gang we're talking. That sounds great. <laughs> well, it's man, coming. We should, we, it's coming. It's coming. We should wrap because yeah. we want to keep it punchy. And, and it's late. And it's late and you're tired. And thank you for your time. Thank you for your sharing and, and expressing all this fucking shit, that, beautiful, beautiful shit that's coming for you. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you for putting on this event. Thank you for having me on your podcast twice. This is great. I'm a repeat. But way, way better this time. Oh, awesome. And next time will be even better. Next time we'll put the two together. Supernatural powers and utopia. (laughs) Supernatural utopia. Harry Potter world. (laughs) 